All right. Well, welcome everybody to the Gathering Podcast. I don't know what episode number this is because we're just <laughs> recording a bunch of episodes. Uh, but I'm, my name's Alex. I'm the college pastor at the River and at the Gathering. And the purpose of this podcast is really just to have conversations with people who are a part of our church or a part of our college ministry or have been a part of it in the past and get to hear from them about what God is teaching them, what their walk with God looks like, what their profession looks like, their interests, and just to have conversations and a place to hear from them and let you guys hear from them. And so today we have a gathering veteran. <laughs> a veteran? <laughs> in Darby Facinto. <laughs> so Darby, welcome to hey, the podcast. That's, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's good to hang out with you. Always enjoy hanging out with you. Darby is one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. What? And I feel like super... you're, you're the most interesting person I've met. That's not true. <laughs> I guarantee that. <laughs> but uh, funny story about Darby. The first time I ever met Darby in January of 2023, uh, it was my first Sunday at the church here, and he mentioned to me he does, like, graphic design. And <laughs> oh, I remember that. <laughs> and normally when a college student or a college-aged person says, I do graphic design, it means that they, like, run social media for a realtor or something. And not that that's bad if you do that, but that's kind of what I thought the extent of what Darby did was. So I proceeded to tell him, yeah, man, I really enjoy, you know, messing around on Canva. <laughs> and, do, and he was just like, oh, yeah, cool dude, cool dude. And then I heard later that week about how we had this college student who works with Marvel movies. I was like, who is that? And they were like, Darby. And I was like, oh, God, I feel like an absolute idiot. No. When he meant graphic design, it means he literally designs graphics. He's not just <laughs> dragging stuff and dropping it on Canva. So anyways, that's Darby. So Darby, tell us just hey. what are you up to these days? Well, first of all, that's super funny. I think I just don't know how to bring it. Like, it's just not something I ever think to, like, just say. Sure. Like, hey, I just met somebody. Let me, like, drop all this stuff on them. <laughs> you know, like, I just am like, yeah, like, I do graphic design. I guess it's fair. But that's so funny that I remember that, like, yeah. interaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, well, let me think. When you met me, I was 23, 24 now. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I've been in Cookville for a few, year, <clears throat> few years since I was 22. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I've had a long journey to kind of get where I'm at. Sure. Um, but a lot of it was not, I didn't even know it was necessarily a journey. A lot of what I was doing was a hobby through high school and I was doing it for fun on the side and I was wanted to do a career in film at some level. Mm -hmm. I was, I went to college for that at Trebekah. And so I was in the middle of that program through high school and through college, you know, I was making short films and doing little like special effects stuff and, it was all, I mean, it was literally just a hobby. I had no intention of, I actually told myself I would never do this stuff like full time because I thought it was super tedious and I didn't think I could do it. So by stuff, what do you mean by Yeah, stuff? sorry. I'm talking general. Yeah. So I design user interface graphics for TV and film. So screens and holograms and tech, um, I'm, I'm tasked to create like interfaces that don't yeah. exist. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll put that in the film. Tell, have it tell a story point or something like that. That's really cool. And if you don't mind sharing, what have been some of the projects you've worked on? Yeah. Uh, the the Loki stuff, the TVA, like the Sacred Timeline and the uh, the Retro Monitor graphics. Um, I worked on Hawkeye for a bit. She-Hulk, which was a stupid one. <laughs> Not stupid, just like funny, like so random. Um, uh, Black Adam, which was a really fun one that mm -hmm. I did. I uh, got a new film coming out called The Shift with Angel Studios, who did The Chosen. Um, I think that's all I can talk about right now. It's exciting. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'm working through all the Marvel movies right now still, which we talked about the other day at coffee. Oh, yeah. And last night finished Age of Ultron. Oh, yeah. And started Ant-Man, which was the next one in the yeah in the order. So pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I remember, I was thinking about the other day, I remember when Age of Ultron came out, I was a junior in high school. Mm. And I remember getting on my phone and watching the trailer for it, getting like just super hyped about it. And there was a scene when Tony gets in the Hulkbuster, like the mm -hmm. big Iron Man suit, mm -hmm. um, the HUD in his helmet, like the heads up display converts from like the normal view to like a zoomed out view to like show that depth. And it turns like yellow and stuff. 
And I remember that was in the trailer and I watched that probably like 400 times. That's so funny. Because that was just like what I was into. And I was like, that is the coolest thing I have ever seen in my life. And now it's like what I was geeking out over. Like I talk to those people who made that every single day and it's like we're coworkers and it, it just does not make sense. It's so odd. Yeah. The way that worked out. Man, but how cool that you get to do that now. Right? You're watching that 400 times as a 16-year-old kid. <laughs> and now Everyone in the class on. is like, there's Darby again doing that stupid crap that he likes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Darby, the reason I wanted to talk to you a little bit today was about the role of creativity in art mm. as a Christian in Christian community. And what does that even look like? Because I think over the if we look over the course of church history, it's been very positive at times and not so positive at other times. And I think maybe good Christian art has been lacking mm. in recent history, like in the last twenty or thirty years. Yeah. Not to decry too many, you know, Christian movies, but most Christian movies kind of suck. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, most like. Uh, Christian music, uh, there's a lot of Christian music that kind of sucks, yeah. and so I just feel like the state of art and creativity within the church space right now, um, it's getting better, for mm-hmm. sure. It is definitely getting better, because I think more attention is being shed on that. Yeah. But over like within the last 20 or 30 years, it's been pretty, pretty poor, mm-hmm. and we're not here to necessarily talk about why that is or what's bad about it, but I more so want to hear from you what is the role of art? Yeah. And is it even something that we should give credence to mm-hmm. and put any importance on? And if it, if so, then how do we do that in a healthy way? Okay, so first question. Mm. When we think about art in the church, what would you say is, or how would you describe the state of art today yeah in christian culture and when i say today i don't mean like in the last six months right was or maybe in the last like year or two but like as you've come up into christian culture as an artist Mm -hmm. how would you describe the state of it i think that i find that a lot of people think artists and non-art honestly non-artists have stronger opinions on it than the actual artists i Mm. have found Mm. but that doing art as a Christian, has to always, at some level, intentionally talk about God and what you're doing. And because of that, I think it's like, well, if you want to be a writer, you need to be a Christian writer. Or if you want to be a musician, you need to be mm. a Christian musician. If you want to be mm. a filmmaker, you need to be a Christian filmmaker. And they start putting labels on it, or artists are pressured into feeling like that as Christians because of the culture they're around. Sure. And so they don't feel like they can ever really expand beyond that point, or it's maybe sinful, just because that's been placed on them, not necessarily because it is, right? Right. Yeah. Why do you think we do that? Because that's something I've thought about, too, because I I love music. I'm a musician. Yeah. And it's almost like if you're a Christian and you don't play, quote-unquote, Christian music, Mm -hmm. then you're doing it wrong. Right. But what even is, like, Christian music, necessarily? Like, can you write a song just that's, like, just about... I don't know, just about life in general. Yeah. What makes it a Christian song? I even heard a comedian one time on YouTube say, like, uh, band, Christian Christian bands are not going to heaven or hell. Like, it's <laughs> like what makes it Christian really is, yeah. you know, not necessarily that, I don't know, like, obviously the content can be Christian or not, I guess, but, like, is it okay for Christians to make content that's not, I don't know, Jesus-focused? focus for lack of a better word or like here's the gospel or yeah is i mean in your mind obviously you think that's okay sure because you do it every day yeah Yeah, i'm just doing these incredibly sinful world full (laughs) (laughs) it's what i do every day those pagan films (laughs) yeah um now i so i really wrestled with this um i wrestled with this in the beginning uh when i before i did any of this professionally Hmm. i mean these questions were coming to my mind and I, I honestly, my desire as a Christian art, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, but for me, myself, as someone artistic and who believes in Christ, I have a desire to spread the message of the gospel through art. And I think anybody who's following Jesus with a gift like that probably has that same desire. Yeah, for sure. And so I remember a lot of early on prayers telling God that's really what I wanted to do. 
And that's why I didn't want to do the VFX stuff because I was really more so interested in telling stories that pointed people back towards the Lord. Hmm. Whatever that looked like is whatever that looked like. Now, not saying I wouldn't like enjoy working on like a Marvel thing. Of course I would, but that was never my intent, I guess. It was kind of like that stuff's great. This is really where my heart's at because that feels like where I'm going to be fulfilled. However, as time went on um, and I started doing VFX, so not necessarily like writing or shooting things. Um, I started to like, I started to get a little like antsy, I guess, because I, mm. I started doing these really fun, awesome, big projects, but I didn't feel like I was actually spreading the gospel. Does that make sense? Sure. And why I think that's fine. I mean, it, it's, it's a job. I'm making money with it. Right. Um, I was like, well, I'm using this like innate skill that God gave me and I don't feel like I'm really I'm not turning people away from him, but I don't feel like I'm saying anything with what I'm doing. Right. Mm. And to me, it's all about meaning and I wanted it to have meaning. Um, but this concept came to me last year that has helped guide me on this thought process that I was thinking of as we were doing this. Um, it's this idea of like, what does it look like to, to live in Babylon? And how do you, how do you be a citizen in Babylon? And what does God want you to be as a citizen of that? Mm. And so quick breakdown of Babylon, Israelites were exiled to this foreign nation in uh, Jeremiah and Daniel, and they're forced to live in Babylon for 70 years. And God's like, you're going to leave, but while you're there, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. And there's some interesting passages that I wrote down that I want to read real quick that I think kind of set the tone for that and can maybe help us like navigate this conversation a little bit more. Because this is kind of the, the building blocks of how I approach work. If I'm like, should I be convicted? Should I not be convicted? Do I feel like I need to like do something or not do something? Or should I take this or not take that? Um, so I think this may be helpful for that topic for sure. Shoot. Read it. Yeah. Okay. So I've got two here from Jeremiah. So Jeremiah 27, uh, 9 through 13. So Jeremiah right here is prophesied or um, giving the prophecy of what's going to happen to them in Babylon. And he's warning them not to listen to people telling them it's not going to happen. Hmm. So do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your interpreters of dreams, your mediums or your sorcerers who tell you, you will not serve the king of Babylon. They prophesy lies to you that will only serve to remove you far from your lands. I will banish you and you will perish. But if any nation will bow its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will let that nation remain in its own land to till it and to live there, declares the Lord. Now, this is like a very specific prophecy for a very specific time and place. But what I find interesting is the Lord is saying, don't go and rebel. Don't cause problems. I'm telling you to go and to live in this land and stay there until I take you out of it. And that implies that you don't need to like try to burn the city down or revolt (laughs) or, you know, there's a, there's like an edict of peace here. But I think Jeremiah 29, 1 through 9 kind of clears this up. And this is where it gets a little bit more specific. So they get exiled. Jeremiah writes a letter to the remaining elders and the people who are still left is what it basically says. So this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among, among the exiles and to the priest, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, this was after King Jehoshin. I think I'm, that probably was not right. I'm not going to even attempt to say this name. And the queen mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the, the letter to Elish, son of Shaphan, and to <laughs> Jemariah. Why don't we have names like this anymore? Son of Helikiah. <laughs> okay, basically they sent this letter to to the exiled people in Babylon. And it said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. Seek peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord, because if the city prospers, you too will prosper. Hmm. Do not let the prophets deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams they encourage you to have. 
They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. So earlier in the passage, uh, in verse two, there is a very specific breakdown of who was exiled. And it's the skilled workers and the artisans that have gone into exile from Jerusalem. And then later we see God encourage them to live life and to do what they need to do there. Right. Yeah. I, when I read this text, I'm encouraged that let's say, for example, I was a skilled painter, right? Like a relevant skill to this era. And I was exiled to Babylon. Do you think that it would be necessarily wise for me if I had a family and that was my source of income? And I, I hear this from the Lord. Like, I know this is what's going on to say, well, I'm not going to paint here because it's a pagan nation. Mm. I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay pure. Right. And so I don't go work at any of the shops in town. I just stay home and said, the Lord's going to provide money for me. That doesn't seem like what God said. Right. Yeah. Right. Now that doesn't mean I need to go do something completely like sinful and disgusting. Right. But what would be wrong with doing something completely neutral and just using my skill God gave me? And even in doing that, why does the work itself have to carry all the weight of what you're trying to do? Why can't your attitude hmm. or the ability for you to show up speak way more than just literally what you're putting down on the canvas, right? Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good way to look at it. I love that. Because it is, it's like a, all work really to a degree mm-hmm. like if you have a friend who's like a plumber yeah does that mean he should only do plumber work in quote-unquote christian households christian homes <laughs> christian homes but why can't his just like you said his attitude yeah and his overall work mm-hmm. speak to his relationship with christ 100 percent. because even paul says in colossians right work heartily as unto the lord mm he's not talking about just doing like Christian movies <laughs> no, and or no. like building houses for Christians. I mean, he was making tents. Paul right. was making tents. You think he made a tent for everybody who believed in Christ? Probably. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So I guess maybe a good question would be, how do you through your attitude and through your actions mm-hmm. display the gospel in a work environment that is not inherently Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will have to say that I've been blessed and I'm around great people, honestly, most of the time. Yeah. Like the Hollywood stigma of being screamed at and stuff. is not really relevant to me. I'm in this really awesome environment. Typically and I am freelance. I hop around, but typically anywhere I land, I'm with some awesome people, but I find that I find that, when you're doing artwork, it's very easy to get your get your identity wrapped up in what you're producing because it feels like an expression of yourself. Mm. So it feels very personal and it feels like you own it. And so when someone doesn't like it, it's easy to get your feelings hurt because you think that it's something of extreme value. Um, but I think what, I think what maybe uh, helps me separate myself from that and to maybe preach in that is a long time ago, uh, which maybe is a story I'll share here in a bit, but long story short, God asked me, he was like, I really want to put you somewhere, but I need to own your creativity or I can't take you there. Hmm. And so he, he wanted me to give up. I gave him everything and I thought I gave him everything, but he asked for one more thing. And that was the ownership of anything that I produced and saying that I never made it. And I know that sounds kind of silly because I'm making like screen graphics, but he's like, if there's any ownership that you have of anything, even at the smallest level, then you'll always have a a sense of like entitled pride as to what you're doing. Mm. But if you can completely remove yourself from that and say, well, my God got me here and my God sustains what I do and my creativity comes from the Lord. He sustains that inside of me then I can't claim anything. And so then my failure is not my failure and my wins are my win. Right. I just see it completely as like the path the Lord set me on. Hmm. And I think that's reflected in my attitude where I'm able to keep, stay very calm and positive because it just becomes fun. It's no longer the pressure of, am I going to prove that I'm a good artist here? It's just like, I'm going to show up and use a talent God gave me. Hmm. And that pressure is kind of like taken off when I can feel that pressure on other people. And I think they notice that I don't have that. And I think they may be curious as to why. Hmm. 
yeah, I really like the ownership thing. Because hmm. I think uh, not it's definitely super pertinent for the creative space. Yeah. Because it does feel like a, this is coming from within me. Yeah. And I'm putting this out there. Mm-hmm. But I think that principle applies if you're an engineer. Yeah. Or if you're like a nurse or yeah. like there really should not be any compartment of our lives, creative mm-hmm. or not, that we still maintain ownership over. Yeah. Because we've died to ourselves. Yeah. And laid everything at the feet of Christ mm-hmm. in complete service and devotion to him. Which would mean that same principle, because I loved how you said it, that your wins were not your wins. Your losses were not your losses because it's all Christ's. Yeah. It's all his. And if that, that principle, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not really an artist, how does this apply to me? That applies across the board. If we would stop viewing our lives as we're in control of this, this is our thing that we are accomplishing on our own, and instead just filtered everything through, well, this is what God's called me to. Mm-hmm. And so if it goes great, awesome. And if it doesn't go great, I'm still going to trust him because yeah. ultimately my life is his and not my own. Yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit to the church space. Yeah. Um, how do you, do you think, and how do you think we should cultivate art within the church? And by church, I mean like Christian community as a whole. Okay. Yeah. And are you saying cultivate as in how should we create it in the yeah. church? Yeah. And how should we use it in the church, I guess? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And maybe what, what should it look like? Okay. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I had an opinion on this, and then I heard an interview like two days ago from Ren Collective, the worship band. Mm-hmm. They did a recent interview, and they were talking to like 20-something-year-olds you know, about music and doing it professionally. And they had this really interesting quote that made me rethink everything I said about this. <laughs> they said, we never tried to become a worship band. It kind of happened by accident, right? Which is fine. Like, it happened to them. But they said we would never, ever ever encourage anyone to make their faith their career. Hmm. And I was like, whoa, like that took me a second to like really think about that. Um, because these guys are wildly successful and they're telling me how much pressure they have found on their faith by making an industry out of just being a Christian and how they think it's unhealthy and probably should not happen. And they were like, if any of you in here want to be that, I would encourage you to maybe just be a musician. And so they were saying, don't be a Christian musician. Please just be a musician. Because when you put that weight on your faith to have to produce out of that all the time to make money, you're starting to lose that way. Mm. And so when it comes to... That is so wise. Right. From people who are doing it. Yeah. So coming into the church with that mindset, I probably would have told you before that like press into your faith and that talent and see if the Lord leads you to success in that and see where he takes you with it. But I think it's role in the church is like, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, if you have the skill, use the skill to serve in the church, but don't look at it as something that is like, um, it shouldn't be so grandiose. Like, I, I guess like, for example, like Ethan, Ethan's a talent. Ethan here at the river, the worship pastor, Mm -hmm. talented. He knows how to sing, play guitar. Great. He wants to use that to serve and use those talents. But to say that like Ethan can't play a Beatles song later because he finds it fun. Right. Or record it. You know what I'm trying to say? I guess I, I think that what becomes challenging is people say, well, you can only do it here or you can only do it there. You Mm -hmm. can't do it both because then it's like mixing two different worlds together. Yeah. If you have a talent, serve in the church with it. And I think if, and if you're good at it, sure, make money with it, right? Like God gave you that gift, like build something out of it. Does that make sense? I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does make sense. So what are ways we can use creativity in the church? I think the obvious one is like music. Yeah. But maybe, well, maybe music, we can talk about that too, but like visual art, Mm -hmm. musical art. Yeah. What is the place of that in the church? Because what I feel like mm-hmm. is I've been in some places where there was like no space for creativity at all. Yeah. And it was very rigid, mm-hmm. very, uh, I don't know, just not open to, <laughs> not open to creativity. Like it had yeah. to be the exact same way every single time and nothing was changing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, 
yeah, so what are, I mean, you said sure. if you've got that talent, use it to serve in the church. Yeah. Does that mean I'm just like clicking an arrow on a ProPresenter, you know, program? <laughs> <laughs> like, what does that look like? Well, I think a good example of this is my, when I was in college, I had a friend named Jay, which he's one of my groomsmen. Like, he is still a great friend. Um, he lives in Denver, though, and his dad's a pastor out there. Mm-hmm. And so when we left college, Jay decided to go work full-time at his dad's church, and he kind of became like their media slash youth guy slash, you know, just whatever. So he went, he's a huge film buff, right? Like he loves movies. And he went and he wanted to use what he does to like serve the church. He wanted to be artistic with his dad's church. And so he started making these videos that were like, they're like short form Instagram type things, but they're super cinematic and he's using techniques that he loves to use. He's really trying to make it like something that he would enjoy to watch. Hmm. And in that you can watch it as a non-Christian and think it looks really cool yeah, because it does. And you can enjoy it, like it, interact with it. That's fine. People who are a Christian maybe will understand what Jay's trying to say. But what I just find interesting about it is Jay I think, for example, the churches you were describing would have wanted Jay to get on the camera in like a gray room and look straight at it. <laughs> or and say, maybe not even do video. <laughs> yeah. Or, and just say, come to church. Sure. 9.30 a.m., right? Yeah. And Jay, which it's like, it's super like artsy, you know, Jay's so funny, but it's like him like on top of a car and it's like spinning around and it's like him looking at it and it's like blurred and like grainy and stuff. And he's talking about like just being overwhelmed. And he'll talk about like real human topics that we're all dealing with. And he tries to find artistic ways to portray that. Hmm. And then he tries to kind of like move it into like what they're talking about or like a series that's coming up or something. And so I think when people see that, they're like, this is what anxiety feels like for me. Hmm. And then the end, Jay's like, if you're sick of it, I think there's something we can do. Right. Like I think using being relevant with your art and knowing what does look good and what does get people's attention and what does feel like it's high quality, I think it's important. And I think that's a great example of how you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, here's one thing I've, I've wrestled with some. Okay. Uh, the importance of contextualizing the gospel. Mm. So speaking in a language people understand okay. would be a foundational level. Yeah. So for instance, like here in our church, predominantly, we mm-hmm. speak English. Yeah. So if I tried to communicate with someone in a different language they don't understand, yeah. Like it would be really hard to communicate the gospel to them. Sure. Um on a maybe more meta level, like uh communicating to them in English but in a way they don't understand. So maybe using large words that they don't know is also going to make it really hard to communicate. Yeah. I've observed with art within the church. You mentioned videos and that like I love videography sure. so that hits a little closer to home for me. The church sometimes has tried to use video to communicate the gospel, yeah. But it's been done in a way that doesn't hit home with people <laughs> outside the church, you know. Yeah. And so, I heard a Christian say one time, "Like Christians should be the best mm. at the art that we produce because we know the source of creativity." Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean to say there's not incredibly talented people who are not Christians. Yeah. Because there obviously are. Um, yeah. But what do you think is the role of excellence in art mm. within the Christian space? Do you think it's something that should be given, like uh, the like super? It's super important. Yeah. Or do you think it's kind of like yeah, whatever? No, I think it's very important, and I think the reason that we see like a, a like a stun, mm. I guess, in that is because, like we talked about earlier, there's a ceiling put on you that you yeah. can't go past a certain point, or it's no longer correct. Mm. And I don't think anybody would tell you, oh, it can't visually look better. But when you're looking at these Christian productions that come out that are in the vein of what you're talking about, like God's not dead, one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, like it's cheap to make. Hmm. It's a cliche story. And to be honest, it's just about a budget revenue turnaround on the Christian market. And that's what they're Hmm. looking to get. And I think, unfortunately, productions like that have set a standard as to what that should look like. And I think that is, it's just been a hard thing to shake off because yeah. that was so impressionable to everybody, not even Christians, of what it looks like to be a Christian making media. And I think this generation is going to have to really change that hmm. because 
the last generation kind of messed it up for us, honestly. We kind of have this terrible stigma. Um, But you, so I guess I have a question I'll say, and then I'll answer my own question, which is probably super like conceited, but I'm going to do it. So you were talking about like the role of art in the church and how that plays out. I've had people, not necessarily jokingly, but like friends that I know, talk to me about like what I do and they'll comment on how corrupt Hollywood is. Right. Hmm. They're like, Hollywood is this sinful machine putting out these corrupt, dirty, like vile things and not necessarily what I'm working on, but like in general. And it's kind of hard for me to hear that because I mean, that's where God placed me. And I can tell that there's this idea that this thing is dirty. Therefore stay away. Hmm. We shouldn't be in there. And going back to the living in Babylon thing, uh, Daniel two forty eight. Uh, this is they're in exile in the book of Daniel. Still, Daniel um, has kind of risen up the ranks as a dream interpreter for Nebuchadnezzar. And there, there's a lot here, but I'm going to skip to the end after a lot of back and forth. And Nebuchadnezzar is impressed with Daniel. Daniel has honored the Lord continually through this, interpreted these dreams for King Nebuchadnezzar. And in verse chapter two, verse 48 of Daniel, then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. What's significant... The significance about this is not that Daniel was exalted, which, you know, that's a very like Joseph type story, Mm -hmm. right? Which is cool. But what I find interesting is Daniel remained on the royal court. And what does that entail? Because Babylon was the, the epicenter of paganism. I mean, it was back in this era, like that was Rome, basically. Sure. The Assyrian, I think Babylon was probably the Assyrian empire, correct? They, uh, they owned everything. I mean, they like went out Mm -hmm. and conquered everything. Mm -hmm. And Babylon itself was literally considered a divine place to be. And just like Pharaoh, the king of Babylon was considered to be a deity. Yeah. But now Daniel's on the king's court making decisions of war. What cities do we burn down? What do we rebuild? How many slaves do we take? How does this work? How does this operate? And he's, he is on these conversations in the Royal court. With the wise men, right? Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar wants him there because he values his input. Do you think Daniel completely agreed with everything Nebuchadnezzar was talking about in the real court? Yeah, definitely not. No, but it's a dirty place. I mean, he is literally at the top of the dirtiest place. He is right next to this guy self-proclaiming himself as God. Hmm. And he is being invited to be a part of these conversations. And Daniel's been put there by our Lord, right? Hmm. Because God needs him there. There needs to be a voice in something that's dark like that. Yeah. And I think that's how I look at art. I think it's, it can take you to a spot like Hollywood or some big music industry place. And if we're, if we as Christians are too scared to go the full route and break past the God's not dead sailing, I guess, then there will, there will be no like Daniel in the Royal court, right? There will Mm. be no voice of reason. There will be no light trying to shine in that. They'll just be left to their own devices and nothing will change. So that's kind of how I think I try to like think through that. So what I'm hearing you say is mm-hmm. it's not that there's two separate spheres. Yeah. Secular and um, sacred. Yeah. But for a Christian artist, mm-hmm. it's really should just be uh, that your art, it, for lack of a better way of putting it, is put on display regardless of where you are. Absolutely. And so yeah. within, because we have created this, the distinctions between sacred and secular mm-hmm. within art. And maybe a lot of that is because of like the Christian industrial complex. Yeah. Um, but for a Christian artist, it should just be you put what God has given you mm-hmm. out there in whatever space he's put you in. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we believe that part of walking the crisis, you're a part of a Christian community, um, like a local church or something like that. And so display your art there. 
mm-hmm. in whatever capacity it looks like, whether it's making videos yeah. that are contextually appropriate for the people you were trying to reach. Yeah. Because sometimes like, we make videos and we're like, hey, if you don't go to church anywhere, you're welcome to come here. But like the way the message is communicated, <laughs> you might as well be speaking a foreign language. Yeah, like yeah. it is not going to catch anybody's eye. Um, but then also it means when you're in a quote unquote secular space, mm-hmm. your art is also on display. Yeah. And like you said, it's really God, God through you. It's yeah. his art. Um, and you're just allowing yourself in the gifts he's given you yeah. to be used. And that glorifies him. And Jesus even says, you know, do good works so that people will see that and give glory to your Father in heaven. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood's not going to see that. No. Unless we go do it. Sure. I. Sometimes I think when I was talking about how I, I feel like sometimes doing things in a secular space can feel irrelevant hmm. because I'm not explicitly sharing the gospel. Yeah. Though that this is, this is a little bit of a different idea of that. It helps me think through it as well. In Genesis, God creates these animals that are like uh, plentiful and there's so many of them and they're all new and mm-hmm. God creates Adam and Adam walks around. He's checking everything out, right? God tells Adam, hey, why don't you like name these? And Adam's like, all right. And he names all the animals, right? I'm sure God had better names picked out for the animals than Adam, right? Like, sure, no, yeah. seriously. Like, he d- for real. Why? Why Why would Adam name them? And mm. God's like, make it up. Like, what do you think they should be? Mm. Right? Now, I don't know what those, I don't know if giraffe has been around since, you know, like these names or whatever, but Adam named these things. Mm. And when I'm thinking about work that doesn't explicitly share anything, when I'm creating it, I, I feel kind of like that where it's like, is this, does this necessarily matter? Not really. But at the same time, I feel like I'm serving and worshiping the Lord because I'm using what he gave me. And I can tell that he's like, he's happy that I'm, I'm exercising my purpose. Sure. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. Cause you're made in his image Yeah. and he is a creator cultivator. Yeah. And so, although <clears throat> we don't create from no materials like him, we create from, raw materials, mm-hmm. um, materials he's given us. We are still living in his design yeah. that he's given us to be. And that, I think, you know, is maybe even the difference between artistic and non-artistic might not even be a helpful distinction. Yeah. Because all of us are created are created to be creator cultivators because we're made in the image of a God who is that way. And what and like what is artistic at that point? Like, yeah. I, it, I don't even, I think it's just being creators, honestly, mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. not like in a divine way. Sure. But in a way of stewardship, like we were, we were put on the earth for a purpose. Like there's Ecclesiastes, there's a time to work, there's time to be married, there's a time to be sad, there's a time to marry, right? Like these are all things. And I, I don't think it should be separated. A plumber, right? Like, dude, you've been given a great skill and a great trade. Make a living, provide for your family, be plentiful, be happy with the blessing the Lord's given you to make money and to do that. Mm-hmm. Enjoy growth. Enjoy the prosperity. Yeah. Don't wrap your life up into it, but God encourages you to it to pursue that. He told the Israelites in Babylon, pursue prosperity. It's okay to seek that out. Oh, I think of another one. So I think of another one of a mutual friend we have in Kate Vaughn. Yeah. Who she's artistic in general, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. She loves coffee. Oh yeah. Loves it. Yeah. <laughs> and knows more about coffee than anyone I've ever met in my life <laughs> by a long shot and can make the best pour over that I've ever had in my life. That's hilarious. Uh, but she's someone who I feel like took something that is generally just a neutral thing in yeah. coffee. It's a great thing that we, a lot of us enjoy. Mm-hmm. But she took something that is neutral and through the passions that she has for it has created something that people love mm. and has given her the opportunity to share the gospel with them, mm-hmm. to point them to a God who gave us this awesome thing in coffee. Yeah. But if she just made like a crappy cup of black coffee, like no one's going to care. <laughs> she just, yeah, Folgers. She, and yeah. She's, she's just like, rocking hey. the Folgers in the, you know, the Mr. Coffee machine at work. Like no one's going to stop and talk sure. to her about it, but she's used this gift and created something. There's a beauty in the craft. Yes, like, and, yes. And, and that, that attra- has attracted people yes. to where now she's got relationships and you know opportunities through something that she loves that she would have never yeah. had had she just said, oh, you know, it just works. I'm just going to yeah. like run it through the coffee machine and not really care about it. Yeah, and maybe it's not even... And 
if it's on a personal level for Kate, which Kate's not here, so Kate, if you're listening, I don't mean to speak for you. If she's listening, but, it would be awesome. <laughs> but, Especially up to this point. Right. <laughs> but maybe when Kate's doing that, she's not looking at it as like, oh, like the taste of coffee is such a gift. Thank mm-hmm. goodness there's like this refreshment God has given us. <laughs> maybe it's like, Lord, thank you so much that you have given us these interesting things to study and to learn how to like make something out of. Mm-hmm. I find this fascinating. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. So maybe it's just even the concept or the idea of, God, thank you for giving me something I enjoy doing. Thank you for giving me problems to solve. Thank you for challenging me and growing me. Thank you for letting me use this skill to grow and to watch myself grow. I feel like I'm on a trajectory because of that. Yeah. Those ideas, I think, are at the core. Besides just saying, God, thank you for letting me like play music at the church because I'm a musician. It's like, God, thank you for letting me understand that there's a complex world of music. Thank you for creating mm-hmm. that. Thank you for creating me to be in tune with that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and Kate's, uh, she's getting a huge shout out in this episode. I know. Um, but her love for coffee blesses us. Oh, because, yeah. Because, like, instead of drinking, like, great value coffee from Walmart <laughs> oh, no. at the gathering on Tuesday nights, like, I just ask her what would be good. Yeah. And just, like, that little act of, like, having good coffee makes it feel more hospitable. 100%. On Tuesday nights, yeah. which makes people feel more welcome, which positively contributes to the kingdom. Yeah. And so that's that's a way that something she maybe uses in the quote-unquote secular space is also used within yeah. the context of Christian community in a positive way. Hmm. And you, you might be listening to this, and you don't drink coffee, and you're like, well, it's just coffee. Well, you could say that about a lot of things. Yeah. But it her gift, um, and a lot of people's gifts, have been used to definitely positively affect the church and believers and 100% and also positively just affect the world in general. Yeah. I think that it is a little challenging. Shout out to all my athletes here. I'm not going to make fun of you. I promise. That's not what I'm trying to do. (laughs) But I think to like, like those cliche like posts that like a basketball player will make. And it's like, I can do all things through Christ. And they're like working out or something. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. (laughs) Tim Tebow. (laughs) Yeah. I can do all things. And they're like ripping like weights. And I'm like, all right. Like, (laughs) I think that don't feel as a Christian, don't feel like the next time you walk into church, you need to walk in and think, all right, I'm great at playing basketball. How am I going to like specifically serve in the church with this? I think sometimes even just, the best place to start is to say, God, I'm so grateful that you have given me something to enjoy that I feel like I'm innately good at Mm. and start from there and let that process carry you forward. Don't try to like take it and squeeze it into the church box because then you're doing the opposite of what we were talking about by the church trying to squeeze you and keep you in Mm -hmm. by creating that Mm -hmm. ceiling. I think it needs to be like, why can't we just understand that God has created things that are enjoyable and let's just find ways to make God abundant in all ways of life, not necessarily just in the church in a specific way. Yeah. Cause you're even then creating the unnecessary line of sacred and secular. Yeah. Um, and even in that divide, making the sacred thing to be like four walls of a concrete building, which yeah. is not even what the church is. <laughs> no, you know? no. Well, let me ask you this just so we maybe try to wrap up here. Sure. We won't wrap up. No, we could talk forever. Um, <laughs> Let's say someone feels like, man, I feel like God's gifted me artistically okay. and whatever that might look like yeah. for them. And I want to use that for his glory, but I just don't know where to start. Yeah. What is like a good next step, whether it's something visually through like video or photography or graphic design or it's musically or heck, I even know people who are gifted with like lighting design and oh, interior yeah. design. And, yeah. You know, but they've. I think God's given us these things, but man, like, where do I start? I think the first two places you want to start. Number one, like I talked about before, make sure you just really check your heart and give Mm. away all pride or ownership of what you're doing first. I think that's like the number one thing you have to do. Let the Lord own that as you move forward. The second thing is, is I think you need to make sure that you get good at it. If that's something you want to do, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of Christians think that they can just get good enough mm-hmm. to get by because honestly, mm-hmm. that is what's passable for the most part in the church because we just need stuff. And so it's like, oh, well, they just, they do something. So here you go. We'll pay you for it. I don't know if that cuts it, you know, 
And I think if you really want to be fulfilled and if you really want to live in to growing and understanding how to feel uh, fulfilled in your purpose as just a human being made to make things with your hands, I think that requires you to continue pushing every day to a further and further level. Right. And so I would, I would encourage and challenge you to not stop until you've reached a level that you feel like is actually professional. Mm -hmm. Um, this will be super quick, but when I, when I was in high school doing all this stuff, um, the, the, when I talked about earlier, the Iron Man heads up display, the, the hologram like around, uh, Tony Stark's face and stuff. I don't know why. I mean, I'm just weird. Like, I don't know why I like that so much. (laughs) I spent way too much time looking at those. Um, but for like five or six years, I tried to make that. And it was not constant. Like it was when I had free time and stuff, but I constantly was doing it because I just found it cool. And I would make one and it would look like crap. And I'm like, and I would like just look at it side by side to like the movie and to mine. And I'm like, yeah, we're not even close. Like this is way off. And I didn't know that I was doing this, but I, I, I mean, I was comparing what is subjectively excellence in that craft, right? Like high end screen graphics and hologram design. Versus I'm in my mom's house and my HP laptop's about to burn the house down (laughs) and I'm going to like leave my computer under my bed. So when I wake up in the morning, I can like look at it before I get on the school bus. Like that's what I was doing because it would have to render for 12 hours because like it would take forever. (laughs) It was so funny. Um, But I was like looking at where I wanted to be, honestly, not even really knowing it. And that was like a, a guiding light that helped me. I'm like, okay, well, this needs to look more like that. That needs to look more like this. How would I do it like that? Why am I not moving that smoothly? Mm-hmm. Why are these things choppy? Where's the detail here? And I would kind of move with that, right? So if you're trying to like learn that craft, don't be afraid to look at something that's not Christian if you feel like arguably they're talented at their craft. Yeah. You know? Like John Mayer. I don't think John Mayer is the best guy ever. Like, I think he's I think he's done some questionable stuff. <laughs> but John Mayer knows how to play guitar. He does. Like the dude knows how to play guitar. If you want to play riffs like John Mayer, what do you want to do? Listen to John Mayer. Find the right? Christian version of John Mayer. Oh yeah. Well, Chris Tomlin licks, I guess. is <laughs> like where you go. But I mean, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's arguably just talented. He's a talented musician. You don't have to agree with everything he says, but he knows his craft. And that's okay because God designed even John Mayer to have skill and a talent. And if John Mayer chooses to not honor God with his life, that's on John Mayer. But that does not mean that we can't see the work of God in him by the talent that he displays. Right. Yeah. And honestly, it just makes it more sad that somebody so talented would still be so far from the Lord. Hmm. Right. That's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah. The, I was thinking a minute ago when you were talking about, oh, well, he can kind of do this. So and the church just needs stuff. So we'll just have him do it. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of goes back to even what you said before, which is like, check your heart. Why are you doing this? Sure. Are you doing it just so you can get like a pat on the back and be like, oh man, you can really make some cool videos. Mm-hmm. Or are you doing this to glorify the Lord? Yeah. Because if you're doing it to glorify God mm-hmm. and give him your best, yeah, then the heart of I always want to be better mm-hmm. will be there. Yeah. And because you're not doing it to glorify men. Mm-mm. We're doing these things to glorify God. Yeah, and so we're not going to be like, well, like they said it was good enough, so I'm not going to work on my color grading more, <laughs> or like they said it was good enough, so I don't, like I guess I can play along to the metronome good enough. Like yeah. I know I kind of sucked on Sunday, but you know, I'll just that's fine. Like they said it was good enough. Like no, if the church got exiled to Babylon, quote unquote, right now, hmm. and they were trying to hire an artist to do stuff, I would think that not many of us would make the cut. Sure. And because it'd be like, you guys don't know what you're doing. Like, I think it's like halfway done. We need like actual artists up here making stuff. Yeah. But on a practical note, as someone who has really invested thousands of hours into playing drums, it takes time. Oh, Alex is like, oh, yeah, I'd be picked out. (laughs) I'm shaking my head now. No, I'm kidding. Maybe you should. I love watching your drum videos, by the way. Thank you. I see those. Yeah. Thank you. Um, It's a slow process, though. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Even hearing things like you say, like, I would set it to render at night so when i woke up in the morning before (laughs) i went to school i could see what it looked like that's like how i was with drums in high school okay like my parents would say you've got to stop playing drums they're so (laughs) it's been like four hours and so instead of playing them i would disassemble all of them and learn how to tune them better 
oh, or wow. watch drum videos. Like I was just obsessed. Yeah. And it's because it's it's something that I just I absolutely love to do. Yeah. And find that thing for you. Yeah. And just that you enjoy that God has given you enjoy to do and just obsess on it. Yeah. Obsess all over it so you can like really hone it in, really build it to this awesome craft yep. that you can use for His glory. Now that's not to say I want to be, make a distinction here that if you're starting out, there's not a place for you, because there most mm. definitely is. Yeah. But it's the heart of, I want to always learn and do better. Yeah. That I think honors the Lord. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you. Hey, thanks. Hanging out and <laughs> love what you bring to just art, art in general. Yeah, thanks, Really, in the, secular, <laughs> in the secular space and in the... I feel like since I've become friends with you, I've gotten a glimpse into what it really looks like. Sure. To what it can look like for a Christian to work in Hollywood, yeah. Because um, I wouldn't say before I was against it, but it's just kind of like how you kind of wonder, like, how, how does, does that, that work? work? Yeah, right. Um, and so it's cool to see someone like you living out their faith in a way that is contextually appropriate. Thanks, man. And a space like that. So I did. Um, I know you were like literally wrapping up. But I'm gonna say this real quick. Uh, I did an interview with this big like youtube channel thing called new rock stars and they do like probably not as big as this podcast though no nowhere near <laughs> but he, he uh he's like one of those like marvel theory guys that's mm-hmm. always like what does this mean and they get like two million views and everyone's like freaking out like in the comments or whatever anyway so i went on there for an interview and we talked about some of my work and stuff and i was wearing uh this shirt i had from the chosen which i'm shocked i haven't talked about that yet while we've been on here because my friend adam drake is an assistant director on there he lives here in town in Cookville mm. and me and him meet up and talk about making art. And I have no idea why I haven't mentioned him until now, but um, I was wearing one of their shirts and like the guy interviewing me had no idea what it, like it didn't, it was just like the three fish, right? There was nothing specific sure. on there. And I got these emails after from people I didn't know. And they were saying, Hey, I just want, I want to let you know that like, I saw what you're wearing and like, it is so cool to know that somebody is working on these things that I love and is a Christian. Mm-hmm. like keep going that means a lot for me to see mm-hmm. and like i didn't even know these people and that just meant so much to me to like hear that it was humbling but also like why is there not more of this why mm-hmm. is this such a rarity for them you know yeah so if you want to step into something do it yeah so sick man thanks cool man see ya